1: Hello, and no, this is not a glitch. We're back, we're back with a bang. It's the Glasgow's Green Podcast, or GigPod, as it was affectionately known. Podding again after a farewell winter the sunset in October 2017. After incredible pressure from behind the scenes, mainly uh, DM threats by a user on social media named uh, Spunkphone, we're resurrected, and we've done our and we've came back for the dead. So what has happened since we chucked Gigpod after the Bayern Munich defeat at Parkhead three years ago? Well, we still won every domestic trophy in every competition available to us. Brendan Rodgers sneaked out the back door. A good pal Neil Lennon steadied the ship, but then he was given the manager role permanently eh, and a shower at Hamden. We've not made the Champions League group stages for two seasons in a row under him now, and unfortunately, Twitter still exists. But without it, would this podcast be back? Maybe not. So I'm Stevie, and as you probably know, I never did this thing alone. I was always joined by a wonderful, bright, booming co-host, and I'm glad to say that he's here on the pod phone again. Rizzo hello. Hello Stevie. <laughs> Is that it? Are you glad to be back?
2: Yes, yeah, so I was just hoping that on this occasion we would get it to work this time, after some technical difficulties.
1: Well, I mean, we, we chucked GigPod because life just got in the way for us, we were both very busy people uh, and now, for some reason, life is on hold because of the state the world is in. We were moaning about Celtic to each other all the time in the text, so why not share that moaning with other people, eh, John? Yeah, but a treat
2: for our old pals that we're back together.
1: As we're talking about, before we get into talking about Celtic and everything, we are in the middle of this pandemic and is it affecting your enjoyment of the football season so far, John?
2: Aye, I mean... It's no help that Celtic have not been great, but it's just, just no. I don't know, even know how to describe it. It's so odd, with no fans, and like hearing the players and the managers shouting. It just, I still kind of used to, it, even though that's like three or four months like Celtic have been back playing. It just doesn't seem right at all.
1: No, I'm a few on that one. It's weird because I think
2: the very first
1: like COVID game I saw was like Schalke and Dortmund. Um, and it was just so, it was a competitive game, obviously. I think Dortmund won 3 or 4 nil, but it was, it was just felt like a pre-season game. And obviously there's an intensity there now when Celtic are playing, and, and you can feel that. And it was definitely there on Sunday, which we'll we'll pick up on. But it just isn't the same. Um, and now, <laughs> after Rangers, thank you lads, went and <laughs> broke more rules today. I really can't see fans being let back in at any point. Um, maybe until, what, near the end of the
2: season, would you What's you were taking that one? I'd be surprised the fans were back at all this season. I mean, I think the stuff at the start of the season didn't help. But with ball and goalie and all the Aberdeen players going to the pub, I think if that hadn't happened, then maybe fans would have been allowed in. Because the restrictions up here, even though they're severe, is not as bad as they are in England. But I think that really put it on the back foot. And even though we had day two test events that I think did well, I think that. There's little chance any fans been there at all this season, and I mean, even if the fans were there, you, you can't celebrate when you score. I supposedly can't clap, and everybody had to sit like with loads of distance between them. Just no be the same.
1: Nah, definitely not. Football and Celtic, certainly when Celtic score, I mean, talk about the game against Rangers as well. I think everyone on social media and the week up there, there was so much hype. There was a huge build up. Everyone was doing their usual, sharing the recycled videos. We saw what the same goal against Rangers a hundred times, so let's watch it for one more time. It's <laughs> going to hype us up even more. Thanks, lads. But there was so much hype about it, and then it was just so flat when the teams came out. It, you know, you're used to being 60,000 at Celtic Park, being for blood, giving Tavernier Pelters for being an utter abject loser against us. Not getting the chance to do that. And I know we, we lost to, and all right, But even not getting the chance to do that, it's we're robbed of it. And I think every other football fan's in the same boat, John. And It's not as if there's anything we can really do but get on with it. But I, when you're going for, what like 10 in a row, it's such a historic season for us. And an important one, it just feels somewhat diluted. It was like when we won nine in a row, and again, we won it over with a Zoom call.
2: But I mean, we, were, we were 13 points clear, they had a game in hand, but like, we were... Like double figures clear, but we're going to win the league anyway. So, aye, that aye. was
1: my point. Look, uh, 30 games, you're right. I think we won like 26 of them. That's what aye. it was. So, essentially, but yeah, we should have been able to celebrate that in the park. It wasn't the same. And even me and you, John, we're grumpy old men these days. I look younger now. You don't, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> no, we're, we're two grumpy old men. We've always been that way. Startling and Waldorf are Celtic fan base. But yes. even we wouldn't have wanted to win a league in that miserable fashion. You want to see it all done in the park and humiliating teams
2: while you're doing it in the process. Of course, even like if we're going to win this quadruple treble, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in a wee while, I mean, obviously that'll be fantastic, but like we'll be playing the Scottish Cup final, I think five days before Christmas. There'll not be any fans there. It's not going to be the same. I mean if we win it, well the players going to do a lap on us still.
1: Well, I can only hope Jamie Godley does something and Scunners the virus where Unique comedy.
2: great, great comedy. But you
1: talked... (laughs) Legend. So you talked about the Scottish Cup final and we are indeed going to be playing the Hearts there, John, after we do what we usually do and we gubbed Aberdeen. Now we beat them yesterday 2-0 with goals from Ryan Christie and my favourite player right now, my personal hero, the Soldier of (laughs) Valour, Mo El-Yanussi. So Hearts, they obviously beat Hibs on Saturday um, 2-1. Hibs continuing to Hibs it at Hamden Park and in general against Hearts, but yesterday we talked about uh, the game against Aberdeen. John, did it go as you thought it would go?
2: Basically, I. I mean, I'm a bit embarrassed now that we gave away three goals to them last week and we were so poor last week against them. Like that was probably helped all at having Eddie and torn back, but it was a typical really Celtic Aberdeen game at Hamden, where I think apart from the cup final when Roger scored, that has really been the only difficult one. But I mean. The game was finished so as soon as Cassidy scored that brilliant goal, and the second goal was a good one as well. The cross for old Tom Roderick, who I championed in the old podcast or years ago, uh, was a belter. And as you see, you know she's playing really well, don't you? And he scored the same amount of goals already this season as he did last season, so that's showing how well he started. And. Uh, He'll be a good player for us if he stays fit.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start on a few things. You were talking about Tom Rogic now. We always had disagreements on Rogic. I was always scurred with him not stepping up when it came to games in Europe. Me and you clashed about that in the old pod. I have to hold my hands up since he's come back. He's not been absolutely flashy, but he's been really effective, and um, he has made the difference ahead of and Cham. Would you agree that Cham's going to be out of the team for a wee while now?
2: No, because I think Cham will probably play on Thursday. But I think when it comes to domestic games... Roderick will be first pick, but I think they might swap them about for the European games.
1: And what about Shane Duffy's come in for a lot of criticism, as we know, and deservedly as well. Let's not get ourselves on that it was undeserved and Celtic fans were being out of order for no reason. He had three colossally bad games in a row against Rangers, Milan and then Aberdeen. But again, it wasn't terrible against Lille. And again, yesterday um, looked as if he was picking probably a bit of momentum form-wise. And do you think playing next to near Beton, who can read the game exceptionally well, maybe makes a wee bit of a difference ahead of playing with Chris Ayer?
2: I'm not really sure, because Ayer, I think, had been our best defender before he got against Lille. But as you say, Duffy did actually play well against Lille. I mean, that, that apparently will like cloud people's judgment on it, but I thought he did well. He had a load of clearances. I thought he played quite well yesterday as well. It was Beton that really made the the wine glare and error when he gave the ball away when uh, Cosgrove had that shot saved. So, I don't know, really. It's still a bit early days for Duffy. I, I, feel, I feel a wee bit sorry for him. That I think people may expect him to be this sort of Paul Elliott style, looks like superstar, if you look at another guy who had a big reputation when we bought him. Years and years and years ago, that was so. But I think he could come good, but you need to remember that he was... No first-team pick for Brighton, who, even though they're in the English Premier League, only a brilliant, brilliant team. In fact, there's no a lot of brilliant teams in the English Premier League. So, I'd say give him a chance. I mean, it's hard to judge, really, because he's not been playing with the same defensive partner every week. He's been like Julian, Stephen Welsh, I, I know it's beat on. I think once he gets a run with somebody, he'll come into his own, and it might be we beat on, so... We'll just need to wait and see.
1: I personally would like to see Neil Beaton played in midfield, where I believe that's where he is. It is most effective as his position, but in defence, he's fantastic as well. As I said, um, the way that he can read a game, there was a moment yesterday that stood out, John, that I watched where I believe we are on the break, and I think Ryan Hedges had the chance to, I think, make it one out at the time, and Near Beaton knew that he just had a left foot, he didn't have a right foot, so he showed him onto his left, and then blocked the, the chance that he had. I thought it was exceptionally clever defending, especially at a time when if we went one nil down and you saw what we've been like after we got a goal down and now, and in a stage like that, that would have been brutal. And then Christie went and scored like five minutes later. So you were talking there, John, about Shane Duffy and how the great expectations of his loan deal might have affected him a bit. What's your opinion, though, on Diego Laxalt?
2: Oh, he's been brilliant. I... Uh... I hadn't really even heard him when we signed him. That's how I am about football. But <laughs> he's been absolutely brilliant. It's something like 13 tackles in the game against Leo.
1: Are you becoming a stat man now, John?
2: Yes. It helps with my day job, but I'm not going to talk about. But uh, I I think he's been absolutely fantastic. He's played in some big games, and he got through into that first game against Rangers, which wouldn't have been easy for a whole host of reasons. And he was probably our best player. He was good against Milan in our difficult game. He was good up at Pataudry. Good. He was brilliant against Leo, and he was good again yesterday. He's been a brilliant signing and I just worry that we'll no way be able to get him full time at the end of the season. Because I think Milan will have watched him and thought, are oh, we going to give him a chance again?
1: Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think we are guilty of falling in love with lone players all the time. It's happened all the way for what, Craig Bellamy even Ramon Vega, like before him, <laughs> Rob, Robbie Keane the list goes on with the amount of loan players we've had that we get in they do a great job, we want them to stay forever and then they go into other teams and excel elsewhere. Fraser Foster Big man as well, you're right and of course my hero right now El Yunusi, who I just can't get enough of. I thought his desire and his attitude just to get into the box for that goal that Rogich assisted him with was brilliant and I think El Yunusse is a player right that when you have him in the left and you've got Christie back, and the two of them as well, they can interchange because I'd like to see El Yunusi more in the right too, um, cutting in and doing what Christie does. But then now it's just working so well where he's in the left, and I've just been impressed with him every time I've seen him. Don't get me wrong, he had that and it, it was brilliant for us. He started off fantastic. And then he got that injury, he got rushed back against Rangers and it wasn't quite the same. I was so happy when we got him back for a second season. But do you share the same enthusiasm with me when it comes to the big man?
2: I think on his day he's brilliant, but he is inconsistent at times. He has had a great start to the season, but he has some games where he just doesn't play at all, he disappears. But I think since that game against Milan, when he came on at halftime and he was very good, it was brilliant against Lille. It was great against yesterday. I think getting dropped for the star lineup against Milan might have been the boost they need. So,
1: we do have the international break coming up very soon, but before that, we've got Sparta Prague home in Mother Huawei. Have you get any doubts about how their games are going to go, John?
2: I think we'll beat Sparta Prague, and I think it's important that we do. Now that uh, we seem to be back to the old Celtic after that Dodgers spell a few weeks ago, I mean, I think for a lot of people, on the back of the Aberdeen game, the Lille game, wasn't that important. It was all about the semi-final. But that's us sort of batting a groove of playing well and learning the want to like keep going in every competition. And we're at home. It's about time we had a good home result in Europe this season. So, I th- And I think we'll play a strong team. I think Motherwell will probably be a harder game because they're picking up a bit of form. It's never easy to go there. We've... Came a cropper there, loads of times, but they know what's at stake. Wouldn't he get points in the world? Because we've got we're going to have like something like three games in hand eventually. So I would expect us to win both games. I don't think Sparta Prague are going to be
1: mugs. They are a bit like us. They are on it in the league. Um, well, I say a bit like us. <laughs> we're second. They've got a, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's it's a Celtic Aye. way where naturally we do you know gub the draws and then the big games are against Rangers but what I mean is by that, Sparta Prague have played six games, they've won six games in the Czech League and they have faltered a wee bit in Europe but they'll probably be looking at us as well John and going, hmm, we can take three points off of them at least, so I think we're probably a better team and we're a bigger team than Sparta Prague but they'll probably be looking at us going they're definitely capable of the beating as well
2: And If we want to get through the last 32, we really need to win Both the games against Sparta Prague. So, and I think when you go back to the Europa League last season, I mean, we're not going to have a result again like Lazio away, but the wins against Lazio were fantastic. Shouldn't he be forgotten about? So, I think we will want to progress, and that's why I think Lenny will pick the strongest team available. Apart from, of course, Roger, we'll leave him on the bench.
1: So, we were saying that we've had problems against Murabu away in the past, but see, I think I can only remember us having a nightmare up there. In the twelve thirteen season under Lennon. I mean when Rodgers came in generally and even Dyla, we generally brush Murray aside at Fur Park, so what world are you living in? We lost the league up there once. Alright, okay, we're we going that far back. I thought you thought about like <laughs> I thought you thought about recent history, actually.
2: Like... Uh we lost him in a midweek a couple of years ago. Samaras or Sam and scored. But I mean it's just that every game they know uh is Huge for us in the league. John,
1: what's your definition of a couple of years ago, Samara? That was like 2013.
2: It all blends into one during this lockdown.
1: <laughs> Starting to wonder, man. You've lost your hair. Have you lost many of your brain cells as well?
2: Uh, I'm going to get a, a hair transplant. A little personal joke for the fans there. I I mean, we need to get the points back in the board. I don't want to really say much with Rangers, but... They seem to have the knack of grinding out results, obviously thanks to guys at referees. In fact, if the lockdown hadn't happened, I don't think Gerard would be Rangers manager. Because we were so many points ahead. The first game we got postponed was a trip to Ibrox for us, which I think we'd have won comfortably. But it's a strange world and now we're nine points behind Rangers. But I'm confident we can pull that back. I am
1: too. Like you, I do feel we've got it in us to claw that back. But we have to definitely admit this is a different Rangers team. Obviously, no code jokes in there. And it's going to be difficult when we next go to Ibrox. And it's going to be something that is so far down the line, of course. We've got, we've got so many important games in between. But we just can't afford to drop any more points. Because like you were saying, they seem to be able to win ugly now. They would never won that game at Rugby Park last season or the season before. They would have done something stupid international break as opponents and the last time, <laughs> and speaking of Rangers as well, it threw all the plans into disarray. Have you got any worries about this one coming up?
2: Well, I'm a bit concerned that Ilyan Ossie and Ayer have been picked for Norway. Because I think they're getting not even letting the qualifiers. And Ayer's injured. We don't want another beat-on situation where he plays an international and either gets COVID or gets injured. And of course, all the Celtic guys are going to be in the Scotland squad for that playoff. Which is going to be, I know people only talking about it yet, but this time next week is just going to be constant about what a huge game that's going to be. And did you see as well, so, the I mean,
1: Serbia's players, two of them tested positive for COVID and they'll be isolating now ahead of that Scotland game?
2: Well, that's a bit of concern for a number of reasons. We don't want any other players ruled out for COVID, even like I feel like the Christie situation. Look at how well he's done since he came back in the team. If he'd have been available to play against Rangers, it may have made a big difference. No having area, of course, as well. So, they really shouldn't be playing international football. They should have just cancelled it. Apart from the the Guru playoffs, which, of course, would have affected Celtic still, but the Nations League, just why when there's so many countries in lockdown again, it's just pointless playing it. And it wouldn't be a surprise if more players ended up getting COVID and I don't know how that would affect us, but I would rather there wasn't any international football at all until next year when things are hopefully getting back to normal.
1: And speaking of COVID as well, and again, I'm breaking the rules already, just like Rangers, because I'm talking about them, but remember we were supposed to be on a yellow card, thanks Mr Sturgeon, when and Goalie <laughs> fucked it and went to Malaga. Well, it turns out Jordan Jones and that Edmondson guy for Rangers went and breached COVID rules, but instead of... The red card being shown. John, correct me if I'm wrong here, but did I read the reports that Rangers get praised for how they handled that?
2: They did indeed by a wonderful Scottish government. All hail to them. They did, unbelievably. I th- I don't know really what to make of this. Th- if the league did get cancelled, they'd probably win it because of the points per game thing. So we don't want it to get cancelled, but what happened to us probably won't happen to them. I mean... I think it doesn't help the bowling goal they went to Spain. I think the optics look so bad <laughs> on that. Uh, even having had done
1: something as stupid as that, I mean, that was that was no. so mad. But now, I mean, at the time, I was just mystified and boggled. I just laugh about it. You've just got to respect the partner for the fact that he's now playing in the Champions League after that big debacle and we're not in it.
2: <laughs> exactly. So all worked too well for him.
1: It did indeed. And it's worked out well for us, finally, John, because we are coming up to the end of this episode. How does it feel to be back on GigPod?
2: It's like the last three years have me hamped.
1: It's great. I have to say, right, and I know everybody's doing podcasts over Zoom and over Skype and all that, and it, I hate using this word, it's became the default, but... One of the good things about when we were doing it is we always did it face to face. We did it in my flat at the time, um, and we always sometimes even went to a pub and done it in a private area. And it was that face to face interaction, John, seeing your big Buzz McAllister coatman. Just it filled me with joy. Now I can't do it because you don't even want to look at me in Zoom. Is it personal?
2: It's just that that hair. I'm still not used to it.
1: But you did get a new microphone.
2: I did. Thanks for that, Stephen. A noble gesture.
1: <laughs> You're very welcome. Now, we did say we were going to keep it under half an hour, and we have, so we set the Twitter back up as well, and we are on several podcast apps. Um, I've got us listed already the way on Apple for a start, but on Stitcher, Heart FM, it's going to be on Spotify in a couple of weeks. I've been a tyrant behind the scenes there, John. You must be impressed.
2: I am. I have to say, I was a bit surprised when you said the other day we should start doing GigPod again, because it was your idea to shut it down in the first place, but we'll see how long we last this time.
1: <laughs> I know. So we'll do this one, and then they don't want to listen ever again, eh?
2: I'm sure somebody will Twitter massive will want to listen, if they've no I'll quit Twitter.
1: Uh, I wouldn't be doing that, of course. Not that I've ever done it in the past. No. <laughs> anyway... So this has been GigPod episode 1. It's been fantastic to be back talking to you guys again and we hope you join us for episode 2 and I'm confident that there will be one. I'm Stevie, thanks for listening. John, do you want to say cheerio?
2: Yep, it's good to be back. Thanks to all listeners and we'll see you soon.